perfect, man. It's perfect. I just didn't know if you could hear an echo or not, but if not, that's no. good. No, no echo. Let me just put you on full screen. Yeah, let me do that. Let me figure out how to do that here. I've never didn't done the Google calls. I think I've done everything else but Google calls. Are you on uh, your laptop? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good deal. Full screen. There we go. Let me check our mic levels just to make sure we're good. Give me a mic check real quick. Yep, yep. Check, check, check. Solid. We're not peeking too hard. Alrighty. So this is episode nine of Guru Presario, the podcast. I have uh, my good friend Steven Delgado from Bear Essentials Online. I wanted to bring him on. I know, I know lately, what's been keeping you busy, man? Man, I guess my daughter, let me stop. Let me hold right there because if I don't correct you, my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter will get mad at me. So it's Steph, it's Stefan and not Steven. Stefan. So it, it sets her and my, my wife off the most when people mispronounce my name and I don't correct them. I let them go throughout the whole time just calling me Steven. So um, easily done, but it is Stefan. And the funny story is my brother's name is Steven and my sister's name is Stefan. So that's a problem. Oh, no so, way. <laughs> yeah. Right on. So yeah, Stefan. But no, I mean, you know, it, I guess with the COVID and everything going on, it's just been trying to manage that with, you know, a young daughter who plays a competitive sport you know, a house that has, you know, myself and two other people that work from home um, in the process of also selling and buying a house. So I think, you know, just a lot of stress, you know, trying to trying to manage the pandemic and trying to manage life in general, you know, it's just been a little bit of everything. You said you're listing your house? Yeah, well, we've already sold it. So now we're just waiting for the new house to be done. So that we got most of it done. Now it's the logistics that is killing me, you know, the move, the storage, you know, making sure a place is going to be done in time, all the fun grown-up stuff. Right. It's funny, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I listed my place maybe like three months ago or two months ago, right at the start of the pandemic. And um, it's been an adjustment when, when I do a showing, man. Oh, it is. It, it is. It, it, especially during the pandemic, it's been kind of crazy because you don't want to go out to eat, but yet you have no choice because you can't, you don't want to stink up the house with food smell and make the kitchen a mess. Uh. Right, man, right. And then, uh, so I, as I understand, you've been registering voters here in the city. Are you originally from San Antonio? Yeah, so I guess a little bit of background. I was born in San Antonio. Um, my mom and dad are both from San Antonio from the east side uh, is where they grew up. Uh, but I would, I grew up in Dallas. Dallas is what I consider, I guess I used to consider it home where I was raised uh, and then came back to San Antonio. I guess now, let's see, my daughter is 11. I guess we've been here now for maybe seven years, eight years now, somewhere right around there. All right. But yeah, this is home. So yeah, I've been going around um, trying to register as many uh, people as I can that are either A, not registered um, B, need to get the registration corrected, or even just need to confirm if they're even, I mean, there's a lot of people who just don't even realize that they're, no, if they're, if they're registered or not at this point. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I feel, um, I feel like it's a good thing, man, because not, not a lot of people, I myself, um, growing up, I come from a Latino black background, and, mm -hmm. um, I'm switching the screen here. You're good. Yeah, growing up, I mean, voting and the whole thing, you know, my parents immigrated, well, my dad immigrated here from, from uh, Mexico. My mom was originally from the United States. I myself was born in Mexico. But um, it was definitely, 
it was definitely a, a um, it wasn't something that was kind of taught to me growing up. I didn't mm-hmm. know about the whole voting process and all these things until, I mean, I was late to the party, maybe like sixth grade. Oh, I mean, I was, I, I, I'm, I could probably beat you on that. I don't, I didn't vote until my first election was a nine until I was 29 years old. I mean, right. um, you know. Well, don't get me wrong. I didn't vote when I was in sixth grade, but I didn't like acknowledge the idea of like. What I got gotcha. you. Because you really can't vote in sixth grade unless you're just a overgrown sixth grader. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, man. It's, um, but that's, that's good. I, like I said, I saw you doing that. I felt like, hey, it's important. Let's, let's start a conversation on kind of the situation that's going. Let me, uh, give yeah. me one quick second, Stefan. You're good. I want to make sure that we're not dropping frames. Okay, you're good. Bear with me here. believe we're dropping frames if anybody could do me a favor that if i'm dropping frames drop a comment in the comment box and uh let me know the video is lagging or the video is skipping um so i kind of wanted to start maybe by playing a video um and i'm kind of i'm gonna let you decide what video we should play i know there's been a a lot of what i would call propaganda from Donald Trump's party. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of these videos of uh, as soon as Joe Biden chose Kamala Harris, he released a video calling Slow Joe and something else. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, I don't think I have. I'm surprised because I usually see everything. Let me see if I could find it and I could play it for us. And then uh... while you look for that, you know, I'll just kind of level set a little bit of my background as far as, you know, where I stand with this. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, our, our conversation is going to be around election and all that good stuff. Right. You know, um, I remind you, I grew up in Dallas. Um, I am Latino. My parents are both Latino. Um, my great great grandparents are the ones who came from Mexico. But I don't speak a word of Spanish. I don't understand Spanish. I don't write Spanish. Um, I didn't meet my first Latino friend until I was in college, and my wife is the first Latino Latina that I ever dated. Um, growing up, I had always been, you know, I I would say, you know, growing up, we were, you know, we were somewhat middle class, and you know, progressively, my mom worked hard, and we started to do better in life, you know, financially, and and I would say now, you know, my wife and I and my family do well, um, and then. As I met my wife um, is when I really started to get more engaged in the Hispanic Latino culture of where we are now. Um, Prior to that, I just, you know, again, I mean, I was always called a coconut. You know, I was always, I was never, um, I was always too Mexican for the whites and I was always too white for the Mexicans. Uh, So talk about being lost. Yeah. So talk about being lost and confused. I mean, that was probably about 23, 22 years of my life that I just couldn't figure out where the hell I stood. Right. How, how was that growing up, man? I mean, were you picked on by other groups or? You know, I wasn't picked on by other groups, but I think I kind of just conformed to, you know, growing up in Dallas and being Hispanic and going to a pretty well-to-do um, white Christian private school, I think is where, where I, what I see happening now a lot is I conform to it, right? You know, I just kind of accepted the fact that I was, you know, almost like, I would listen to Dave Matthews band. I would wear Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, in high school. I mean, that's just, I didn't know anything different, you know, 
growing up, we lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, and my dad's name was Juan Ramon Delgado. And we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, and all of a sudden his name became John because he wanted to conform to what that life was going to be like and, and didn't want to be, you know, penalized for being Hispanic in Shreveport, Louisiana. And so growing up, I didn't know anything different. I just thought that's what you do as a Latino. You just conform to your surroundings and, you know, try to get a seat at the table if you can and and that was it was challenging i didn't realize it looking back on it now though i realized how big of a challenge it truly was for me if i would just open my eyes and and understood a little bit better right i could kind of relate um except i was from the opposite spectrum i grew mm -hmm. up in alma heights pretty much my entire life until i was in fifth grade and um i kid you not i was the only spanish-speaking mexican uh kid up until fourth grade fourth grade this girl named Eunice had moved in and she spoke not a lick of English but um I grew up you know speaking very broken English up until I was maybe like in eighth grade but but I mm -hmm. um it was just challenging right because you don't make a lot of friends um right. in the same group that you're in people view you you know being that young and growing up in Alma Heights people view you as, you know, you're just, you're just different. So they keep their distance. You're invited to right. the parties and, you know, you get the invitation from Sally's mom because you're part of the class <laughs> of 24. But at the yeah. end of it, you're not, you, you don't feel accepted. And um, right. that had an effect on me just growing up. It, uh, it affected kind of my psyche or idea of, um, you're good. It affected my psyche or idea of how I was um, how I was perceived. So it, it created a lot of uh, what would you call it? Maybe like insecurity issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of insecurity issues that I really battled throughout my entire. I mean, high school, college. I probably didn't get over these insecurities until I was maybe like twenty one. <laughs> you know that it's funny you say that because I was I actually just listened to a podcast. I listened to a lot of podcasts and. One of my followers recommended one to me today called the Nopal Queens. And one of the things they talked about was, you know, the racial identity crisis of there's five stages that you go through. And I won't go through each stage, but each stage varies with, you know, being Latino, trying to embed yourself into a community where you're different. Um, and it kind of brings me to where I'm at at this point in my life. You know, I went through some of these stages and some of them I just skipped over. But the last stage is like this stage they call commitment. It's where you're you finally have accepted that you're a Latino and that, you know, where you come from and who you are. And now you kind of put this action plan in place of where you're trying to get, you know, where they, you know, they always say mi gente to, to, to get on board with you and understand that, you know, we're all trying to go in that. We all should be going in that same direction. How do we get on that same mode of transportation to have that same destination in mind? And it's interesting to hear you say that, because like I said, I mean, you know, we're all, I mean, we all are cut from the same bloodline, but yet I feel like we're kind of just coming from different walks of life and our, our route there is different. But yet at the end of the day, we should all have that same goal as Latinos to, to have a voice and, and to be, you know, be heard. Because, I mean, you and I both know this, I mean, especially in Texas, especially in San Antonio, we're a growing population, whether, you know, it wants to be admitted or not, but we're growing and we're growing fast. It's almost, it's almost as we're systemic, systemically disconnected in a way. 
Mm-hmm. I almost feel mm-hmm. like there, there's a lot of things that get published or a lot of things get pushed out, whether it's by the media or whether it's by a local lobbyist, whatever it is. But I almost feel like it's almost done in a manner to systematically kind of break, you know, the community apart. And I, I just speak from a Latino community. I don't I don't know if, you know, the African-American community feels the same way. Right. Or if, um, or if just Americans feel the same way, if maybe they're split in, in a certain aspect. But I definitely feel that way in a sense, coming from the Latino community and growing up as, you know, as a Mexican-American. Yeah, I, I think you. I think there is some that comes from the media. I mean, but that's, I always tell, you know, buddies of mine, I mean, that's our responsibility for us to do our, our research and, and do our studying to verify, you know, what is factual, what is not factual. I mean, it's very easy for us to just be consumed and be lazy about the information that we take in and just take it for what it is and not ever do our, our homework to find out, you know, is that factual? Does that make sense? Um, and that's, that's the world we live in now, right? Because of social media, it makes it easy to be lazy. Right. How do you feel um, on, the, on the subject of, you know, people just kind of going with the story that they see online or the story that they find on YouTube? And I say this because I, I find it a lot. I, I see so many people just finding something, pushing it out. And then when I'm there trying to have a conversation with them about it, they're just like, oh, well, I found it and I figured I would just push this out. Yeah, you know, I struggle with that. I, you know, I have every now and then I'll have somebody, you know, that I guess I'll trigger and they'll send something to me um, in response to a post I make. And I always tell them, you know, I put things out there for people to consume at their liking, right? I mean, you don't have to follow me. You don't have to consume my stories or, or my posts. Um, but I never push anything on anybody, you know, as far as that goes. You know, I'm not going to send you, you know, an article I found because I know you're Donald Trump supporter. I'm going to see an article, you know, on Joe Biden. Just, that's not the way I'm going to work. I'll post it on my story and leave that up to you to, to want to see. But I always, when, when I do get that information, I, t- I tell them that I need to see factual information. You know, you can't send me just some random right wing, you know, propaganda of two guys you know, like us right now in a basement <laughs> talking, right. you know, and say, this is factual, this is true, right? I, I just, I need, I need better information than that if you're going to, if you're going to come at me with something and I don't know it all. I mean, and there's still, I still study every day, you know, in this political game because I don't know it all. I mean, and there's times that I do have to do a little bit of research. There's times that, you know, my wife will, will question me and, and challenge me and, and rightfully so. Um, and I'm going to do the same thing if somebody sends me something, if, if I don't agree with that, I'm going to challenge you back. Uh, I'm not asking you to send it to me, but if you're going to send it to me, I'm, I will challenge it back. Right, right. Yeah, I'm very open-minded. I mean, I get inquiries the same way that you do. Where I'll post something on my uh, story, mm-hmm. respond, and they'll say something. And, you know, I've, I've had great friends, like very good friends that I've grown up with do this. And at the end of it, I'm, you know, I want to get factual information. So I do ask for the facts, and I uh, definitely want to know where they're coming from. But the the biggest test that I have that if anyone because everybody knows that i come from a very open mind i i grew up with conservative mind mindset and ideals like my entire life i i um i related to george bush <laughs> i related to not supporting obama i mean these are the ideals that i came from and as i as the 2016 election came through a lot of things began coming to light and more specifically 
was kind of the GOP res the GOP's response to just actions by the Trump administration, right? And um, and really kind of where my conservative ideals sat in terms of how I lived my life and and what I believed was the best for humanity, right? The utilitarian approach as to what uh, what's better for a society. And the more that I began to experiment with that or question these things, I began to realize that um, a lot of a lot of the right, in my opinion, a lot of what's coming out from the right wing isn't necessarily what is the best thing for for humanity. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not far from. I mean, I, I had similar approaches to politics like you did. I mean, I would have considered myself, you know, a Republican prior to me voting um, because I did have some conservative thoughts, you know, on the way things should go or, or would go. Um, and like I said, and it wasn't really until, in, you know, my wife and I, Lena, started having more, you know, conversations and engaged more in, in political talk to where it kind of opened my eyes up a little bit more as far as, you know, what benefits the Latinos the most um, as a group you know, not indiv individualistically, you know, and that was always my approach to politics. And I think that's why I didn't vote for so long was I always thought, well, what has he done for me, you know, individually? Or I can't get on board with everything they're saying, so I'm just not gonna vote. Um, and, and we're at a point now, you know, where I believe for, for Latinos, it, it's about the direction that we wanna go as a culture. And, and, and I don't, and I don't, believe that the leadership that we have now is wanting to take us in that direction. I mean, it does. you can't change my mind on that. I mean, I, it doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, Donald Trump, in my opinion, has no desire to have Latinos in this country, whether you're legal or illegal, obviously, for sure, illegal. But I mean, he's never done anything for, for Latinos now. I mean, you I, I think you commented on a post that I put on my story about the whole $600 check that came through, right? Right. I mean, you know, I have family on the border and will tell me that, you know, you have Hispanic Hispanics walking around talking about how Poppy Trump cut them a $600 check, dude. <laughs> Poppy Trump. Poppy oh, Trump, dude. I'm like, are you serious? I was like, you really think? And, and, and he's an evil the, genius, the, man. The $1,200 check is what you're referring to, right? Yeah, the $1,200 check. Yeah. I mean, he's an evil genius. I mean, he put his name on the check because he knew that when they opened up their mailbox and got that check, it was like, holy shit, Donald Trump has cut me a check. This right. guy really does care about me. And I sit on there, that's not even his money. That's your money. It's your tax money. And it yeah. just baffles me that, that this is a, these are still the conversations that we're having today. He, they don't care that you know he called you, your people racist or murderers. You know, they don't care that they're caging kids or separating families. You know, they don't care that for the past month and a half, he's been talking about coming through with a plan for DACA and there still is nothing. There still right. is nothing. I will, and, I will say to, the, to, that, um, to that effect, he's got a smart ass, smart ass marketing team because he knows that the majority of, and I, and I, I speak for my own people, um, the majority of the Mexican American community, perhaps there's a disconnect between acknowledging how the how these stimulus plans get passed, right? Fiscal policy mm -hmm. is enacted not at the White House. It goes beyond that. 
and I feel that there's a there's a, there's definitely a disconnect in people being educated on who's really writing this check, right? Yeah. Who passes these stimulus uh, policies, right? These are passed by um, by our lawmakers, and then it ultimately goes to the White House, right? So I feel like in him, like you said, putting on his putting his name on the check, it's a uh, it's a blatant to me, it's a blatant slap in the face to people that, that don't come from an educated background to where they understand how policy is enacted in the United States. And a lot of people think, oh, well, no, this was, this was Donald Trump. And it's like, let me fucking pull you out. Let me pull you to the side for a little bit. These things don't happen at the White House. These things 100%. Don't happen, you know? 100%. It, like said, it's just taking advantage of that. And to me, I, find, I just find that sad. And look at the second round. I mean, look at the second round, right? I mean, he signs this executive order, so-called executive order, where he's going to put some of the bill. Again, Bobby Trump's going to put some of the bill, and then the rest of it's come from the states, right? He's smart, right? Because he knows that some of these states can't afford it. So at the end of the day, he's going to say, you know what? I tried to help you guys out, but your Democratic, you know, governor didn't want to help. That's why you need an office. And that's not factual, man. It's just not factual. You can't do you just it it's all like just smoke and mirrors with him i mean he's he's a salesman you know everything's optics and then it's just repeat 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 until you actually either say damn man i'm so tired of listening to this dude he's right or you just don't even want to study up anymore because you're just like i guess i guess donald trump's right i i mean i guess COVID is going to magically disappear one day right here we are um cases upon cases uh I still yeah. review. I still review those videos of him um, saying what he said, and people say, "Oh, well, it's the media pushing it that he didn't really meant mean it like that." And I'm just like, guys, it's not. And I haven't edited or completed editing the video that I was making, but ideally, it, it's just it's sad when people uh, people don't take it for the literal sense of what he said. It. it- it truly is. I mean, it, it, it's frustrating, irritating. And it, at some point, like my wife says, maybe you just got to turn off the TV and quit watching the news some days because it's just hard to to comprehend it. I mean, those those, uh, those daily press conferences that turn into, you know, his rallies are just, you know, comical. Yeah, speaking of his rallies, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I get the sickest feeling every time I and I. I try not to watch them, but I, I do watch them to educate myself in a sense of what, what he's putting out there and what his people are listening to. Right. But um, I, watch him, I watch him from, you know, not a perspective of, oh, I got to listen to this person, but I got to listen to this person on what he's telling these people and what they're adopting. But it's, it's truly kind of scary, man. Just um, the things they kind of push out there, starting with, hold up, I'm getting a comment from Moses. Talking about feeling y'all felt of exclusion while growing up. Oh, okay, yeah. I get that. You know, it's funny. I get that quite a bit, honestly, whenever I get people, whenever I post something about that, I get a lot of people who can relate to, you know, not feeling like they, you know, are Latino because they just don't conform. They don't speak Spanish or, you know, they don't have Hispanic friends. And I mean, it's crazy to me, but it's true, right? I mean, and that's the unfortunate part. I think that's what's, you know, that's what's really hard about the Latino culture now is trying to get us to understand that we are all one. I mean, I have these conversations with buddies of mine and I tell them all the time, I mean, I'm not telling this stuff because, you know, I'm just want to fight with you, man. I'm telling you stuff because I love you and because 
we are truly the same people. We just got dealt different hands. We took different routes. And, and that's not to say, I mean, you know this, I mean, that doesn't mean that there's not Hispanics out there that are milking the system or not, you know, trying to find a job. I mean, there, there's, that's there's in every from both race, sides. man. Yeah. yeah, it's every race. But man, we got to understand that, you know, we can get, we can really do some things in this country that we just banded together with the growing, you know, population of, of Hispanics, of Latinos. So I want to I want to go to I want to go to your outline. I was gonna play a video. Yeah, I kind of took you off that. Sorry about that. No, no, it's good. I think I found it. Trump drops phony into Kamala at minutes after her. I think this might be it. Let's see if I can go this one. Nothing happens in business. I'm sure there's gonna be more to come from him as well too. I'm sure this is just a start. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I just, I, but I think it's so funny how, you know, parties do this. Uh, more specifically, his party. I just, I look at it and I. Kamala. So you, you probably. Oh, you know what? you see it now yeah I, I think so yeah here it comes it's coming in now all right good deal so i'm gonna i'm gonna play this and then we'll come back Harris ran for president by rushing to the radical left, embracing Bernie's plan for socialized medicine, calling for trillions in new taxes, attacking Joe Biden for racist policies. Voters rejected Harris. They smartly spotted a phony, but not Joe Biden. He's not that smart. Biden calls himself a transition candidate. He is handing over the reins to Kamala while they jointly embrace the radical left. Slow Joe and phony Kamala. Perfect together. Wrong for America. And it's like we're it's like, it's like we're three years old now. It's like we're five years old. It's just it it's crazy to me. I mean, I think it's just it's just so funny how it's like the radical left, the radical left, phony Joe, slow Joe. I'm just like, can we just talk to each other like human beings? And, you know, and I just I just read something you know earlier today that you know, and again, you know, this is things I read and probably need to do more, you know research on it, but this could be like the one of the most progressive tandem that we've seen in a while if they were to win, you know, win and be in the White House. And not to say that they're going to meet, you know, the progressive, you know, quota, what, what people want to see, but factually, it might, it probably is the most progressive group that could be in the, in the White House, depending on how things play out. And I think a lot of that's going to, I think, you know, the thing I look at, you know, when I look at presidential elections now and and going forward is, is who's gonna be on that team with them to help lead this country? And I think that's a concern that I have now with the current administration is that team just concerned me. I mean, you have Stephen Miller, the most racist white dude in this country, in this world possibly, writing his immigration speeches and dictating his immigration policy. Tell, tell us a little, whatever you know about Stephen Miller, that way the audience, understand 
So my understanding, from what I know, Stephen Miller is a Harvard graduate, and it has been shown that he had racial tendencies back even in college with his different um, writings and I guess I, the, the college papers and whatnot. And so now he's in charge of writing a majority of any speeches that, that Trump typically gives around immigration, um, you know, back during the days of the Muslim ban and, and you know, the, the child separation, it all came through him. It's all his. I mean, let, let's be honest, I mean, you know, Trump is just the one who goes out there and talks. He's got people behind him pulling the strings. Right. And that's who smart Stephen people. Miller is. And yeah, smart people, very smart people, whether they're, whether they're, you know, people that I can agree with or not, you know, we know that, but the very smart people. I don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I'm not going to take away their smartness because they are very smart people uh, and they know what they're doing. And Stephen Miller is one of them. I mean, he is by far, and I think he, him and Barr are the two ones that concern me the most in that administration. Um because of where we are today right there's a there's a lot of power that that not only lies behind the seat of the white house right but with the attorney general i mean mm -hmm. we saw it whenever uh the protests were happening in front of the white house and then they got cleared out and ideally he was he was kind of putting attorney general at the forefront of it and saying it was yep. more of a safety thing and to me that's like i don't know I mean, you, we know what the Trump administration is. We know Trump's thing is, it's only good if it's for him. If it's not for him, then it's bad. Right. I mean, that, 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 that's what everything has always been, you know? When protesting goes on, if they're protesting on behalf of Trump, then it's good protesters, right? They're not even protesters. They're just good, fine people, you know? And then if it becomes against him, then it all of a sudden, you know, they're thugs. Complete bullshit. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, and, then, and then we sit here and we have to try to explain to people of how that makes no sense. Yeah, I actually um, had a friend message me because I posted something about Barr while he was testifying on a, what was it, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I won't say any names, but my buddy messages me and he's like, oh, well, it's nothing but, did he say that? It was nothing but agitators that were outside protesting. And, you know, I, ha I have friends in New York. I uh, don't have current friends that are in, in Portland, but I have enough people around that have been to enough protests. I myself have been to protests, and I could tell you that it's not agitators um, that they're that they're attacking. Yeah, to me, people adopt you know people adopt that, and they just they hear the media, whether it's Fox News or whether it's Donald right. Trump speaking at a press conference, that it's agitators or it's protest the the people that are out there protesting are just a bunch of bad people and it's like no my my thing what i always tell them is criminals are always going to be criminals and if they if they spot displacement within a society or whatever they're going to go and they're going to take advantage of a situation mm -hmm. but um but to say that the attorney general was or the trump administration was acting against um the protesters because the protesters are agitators to me that's just a very uneducated response it, it really is you know i i've gone back and forth with this with the protesting and, and you know the different scenes that were played out on tv over the past couple of months with um the floyd you know killing um the floyd murder the murder the floyd murder actually not even a killing 
And it's a conversation, you know, bringing it back to, you know, the Hispanic Latino culture. I mean, Black Lives Matter, first and foremost. I'm a firm believer of that. And what you saw play out and what you still see play out is 400 plus years of just anger and hurt of never being able to not even get ahead in life, but just being able to be equal in life. And what I tell, you know, my my Hispanic friend and even the conversations that I have around the table, you know, at dinner time is, you know, if you look at, at, at Latinos, you go back 100 years ago, and I always pronounce this, this name wrong, and my wife always corrects me, and I'm, I'm getting better at it. But if you look at a little town called Povener, which is in West Texas, near Marpa, okay. 100 years ago, there was a group of Hispanic men who were pulled out of their houses in the middle of the night by Texas Rangers and murdered. You posted the, on this. Keep going, yes. Sorry. For the sole purpose of being brown, of being Hispanic. And that's their land. That's their land. You know, right. Anglo-Saxons came in and, and, and drew a line and said, okay, this is our land now. And now you're in our country. And now we're going to get rid of you. And this was 100 years ago. And so the part that, that I struggle with, you know, that I tell, you know, my friend and, and, and my family is, are we going to wait 300 years? 300 more years before we realize that that's going to, that what we see today is going to be us in 300 years, that it's the same thing. I mean, we're dealing with the same situations, you know, again, in, in our conversations about Latinos here, and then I'm, I'm sticking to that, right. You know, our culture is celebrated all the time, right? Think about it. The movie Coco comes out and all of a sudden Dia de los Muertos is everywhere, right? Before we everywhere. move forward, what's the name of the documentaries or the, the, that way we can put that out. Oh, I got to find it. Let me find it for you and I'll, I'll it, shoot yeah. it out. I'll put it out. I'll find it for you. Um, it's a great documentary. That's a good one to watch. Um, Coco. But we celebrate, we, we get our culture celebrated, right? You know, through Dia los Muertos when Coco came out. And then we have, you know, Cinco de Mayo, right? Taco Tuesday and all this other, you know, bullshit, which is great. Fine. You know, buy tacos, buy, go support, go support, you know, Latino businesses. Great. Let's do that. But yet we still got to fight for a seat at the table. We right. still got to, you know, we, we, the conversation we had earlier, we still got to align as a, as, a, as a race together to be able to move forward. And right. it, it's history that we're never going to, my, my daughter is not going to be taught this history in school. She's not going to be taught about the massacre at Cotternet. She's not going to be taught about, you know, what is it, 1619, you know, about the blacks being enslaved and being brought over. She's not going to be taught that. It's history that they don't want to teach the kids, that they don't want us to know about. And it's frustrating because it is our history. And we don't, as a, as a culture, as a Hispanic culture, how do you move forward if you don't know your history? Right. And I could be wrong about all this, but it, it, watching that documentary and reading about it and listening to podcasts about it, I would hope that it would trigger something in you if you are Hispanic, if you are a Latino, if you live in the state of Texas, if your ancestors came from Mexico, I would hope it would trigger something in you to realize, man, this is not right. This was not right. Right. That's what comes to mind for me most. That's what comes to mind for me. Very good. What's coming to mind. Most, I appreciate that. Let me know if it's uh, sounding better. <laughs> um, 
but Sorry. it didn't with all but all that in turn frustrates me because then I go and I read articles and I see where one in four Latino will support Trump at 2020 re-election. So what 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 is that? Why why do we see these signs at these rallies? Latinos for Trump. <laughs> I mean what what what's the whole principle behind that movement? You know, from what I gather from, again, reading and just listening and trying to understand and even having some dialogue and conversation with, you know, individuals who kind of side with that party. I don't have a lot um, because I just choose not to be frustrated. But what I see is they don't think they're those Latinos. They think they're different. You know, when Trump says, you know, the racism murders coming over from the other country, from Mexico, that's not them. He's not talking about them. It's almost it's, it's almost as they trying to they're trying to build a connection with him, and then they're. Uh, I mean, cause I I've dealt with so many Hispanic people of a people of authority, whether it's a police officer or whether it's something, mm-hmm. but I always feel like some whenever I interact with another Hispanic or another Mexican American, it's almost as if they want to put me in their place. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how they, you know, how that goes. You know, I was reading an article the other day in USA Today, and it was a, it was a journalist that went and interviewed, you know, Latinos for Trump, asking them, you know, what their thoughts were, you know, why, where did that come from? And a lot of it was that, is that he's not talking about me. And it's that mentality also, too, and I, and I, I was talking to my wife earlier about this. Right. It's that mentality of that I was born on third base, and I said I hit a triple. No, you didn't hit a triple. I mean, it's the same example of my 11-year-old daughter. My daughter is living on third base. She didn't hit no triple. We fucking got her to third base. And now it's up to her to understand that we got her to third base and to realize how she's going to get home now. And it, it's that mentality that, that keeps us, like, you know, where we're just, we're against each other. It's crazy right. to me. I mean, it's, it's. I go back to that vision that you know, I'm gonna get sports. I'm gonna throw some sports in there of Allen Iverson shooting over Tyron Lue and then walking over him, stepping over him. That's Latinos, man. We don't pick each other up. Right. We keep each other down, and then we're like, "Hey, man, that's." I think of like you know the Castro brothers, man. They did great things. You know, they 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 were good for San Antonio, but yet I still have people that I hear talk bad about them. I mean. They are good for our people. They are that they you want them representing us in this state and in this country. I mean, Julian would have been and I was slow to get on the Julian train. And now I look back and I my wife was the first one to be on that train. And she, you know, which they're, you know, the women are 99 percent right. I think we know we both should admit that they're 99 percent right at the time. She was right. I mean, he cares about our people. He was going to do good for our people. And I hope he's on Biden's cabinet. I hope for some some way that works out because he progressively wants to make our culture better. Right. Whatever happened with him running? I know he was going to run. Did he drop out, or did just he, he he didn't start the campaign? I think he dropped out. I think he didn't get enough. He he was struggling yeah. at some point. I think he got struggled. He was starting to struggle with raising enough money. Right. To get and I, I put some money to his campaign because I, I progressively got more and more on where he was going with with what he wanted to do um, with his vision. He's smart, super smart. Um, 
and I felt like he he had a vision for for the country for overall. I mean, not just not just Latinos, but just the country overall. Um, he did well in the Obama administration. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think he could do wonderful things on the Biden administration. Um, and it's it's unfortunate to hear other Latinos in the city that he was the mayor for still not give him the respect that that he deserves uh, overall. And I think that's where we struggle as, as, as a group is how do we start picking each other up? And then how do we start lifting each other up on that pedestal and say, go for it, mijo, or go for it, mija, right? Right. And, and we're back there to support you. We're back there to be with you. Right. Instead, of, instead, instead, we're over here thanking Poppy Trump for, six, for 1200 bucks, 600 bucks. <laughs> but I uh, got a comment. So, uh, mm-hmm. I got a comment from actually a few people. Let me go to James Castro. Um, we always talk about the video, the radical left of helping people. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying, man. It's, it's the yep. for humanity definitely lies with these, with the Democratic Party, in my opinion. Um, let's see who else. <clears throat> we talked with Moses, Anthony, Anthony, my buddy Anthony. Um, I'm a half and half, but negate the fact prejudice against any color or creed is some bullshit. I had a white dude look at me and say some racist shit and tapped, tapped like right, brother. I slapped his shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's just letting some steam out. Hey, feel um, free to, feel free to. We yeah, all have that in us right now. Our brother David, man. Not actually my brother, but I've known him for years, so I consider him my brother. He's a good guy. Um, yeah, nonetheless, sorry, I interrupted you. Um, no, you're good. I mean, I think, you know, and I get fired up about it a lot. And, you know, my wife, you know, again, you know, we get I get going in these ramblings on it. And I think it's because, you know, we should realize how powerful our vote is and our voices. I mean, we are constantly adding more and more Latinos to the voting population every year. We are populating more and more the swing states. Right. You know, we are also considered a swing vote, you know, because we don't really align. I mean, you know, some of us kind of have Republican tendencies. Some of us have Democratic tendencies. So which means, you know, we can go we can go either party. So either party could appeal to us. The thing that I that challenge now is there is no Republican Party in my opinion. It's the Trump Party. Right. That's exactly I just listened what it to is. a I listened to a podcast just yesterday, and it was it was one of Mitt Romney's um um I guess marketing guys uh, that when when Romney was running against I think he ran against Obama if I'm correct. Right when he was campaigning. and yeah campaigning and, and it was an interview with him, and his comments were basically along the lines of. If Trump doesn't win this election, the Republican Party as we know it could be over for years to come. Right. He, they, they've lost their credit. They've lost their – they have absolutely lost their credit in my opinion. Uh, Mitt Romney is the only Republican that, um, that I respect, honestly. He's the only one – I mean, during the impeachment process, I think he's the only one who actually stood up. Uh, if I'm, I, if I'm he not, was right. I think he stood I think alone. It was, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think it was probably him. I mean, he's the only one who at this point now is speaking up, even during the Black Lives Matter, which and and he's a politician who comes from the state of Utah, right? 
I don't know if you've ever been to Utah. There ain't very many black people in Utah. Right. I mean, I've it's never Mormon. been, but I've had friends that live there. It's majority Mormon. I mean, to see somebody like him come out and march and protest with them and say Black Lives Matter right. is, is pretty, you know, pretty substantial. But, you know, the, the, the comments on that podcast were just like, you know, where are the Lindsey Grahams at? You know, where are the Ted Cruz? These guys have just basically just folded and became bootlickers for Trump. They sold their soul. That's exactly what they did. And I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen, you know, if we play advocate in devil's advocate and it works out our, to our favor, Biden and, and Harris win. What happened in those two or three months afterwards with these guys? Where are they at then? Oh, we never really supported him. We just kind of did it because it was part of our, he was part of our, our party, quote unquote. I mean, where do those guys go? Right. It, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next, I mean, what, we're in August, you know, next couple of months on, on where this, what direction this goes with those guys, because they're going to be in trouble if, if it doesn't turn out for Trump. Right. And, you know, I, I hope, in my hopes, I hope it doesn't turn out for Trump, and I hope all of those guys that neglected to acknowledge the, um, like James said, James Castro just commented, Trump showed that the Republican Party is for a party over country policy. That, in my eyes, is treason. I agree. I hope that these guys, all of these guys, learn from that lesson, very hard lesson, and, um, yeah, that they don't, they don't get any excuse. At the yeah, he, he, I mean, James is right. I mean, James is absolutely right. And the damage, and, and like, like that podcast said, the damage is done. The, the precedents that Donald J. Trump has set in office to basically be, you know, above the law right. is set. And I think that's what is, I think that's the only reason why the Lindsey Grahams, the Ted Cruz's, you know, the, the Meadows and all those guys still stand by Trump's side because they know if a Democrat becomes in office, they're in trouble. Right. They're I in trouble. That- like you said, I think that's the only reason they're supporting this bullshit. Yeah, they're so they're so far in. I mean, they, what are you going to do? I mean, you're three and a, right. you're three over three and a half years into it. What else are you going to do? But you know what I'll tell you. You know, for any of the anybody listening out there, I know James is listening. So appreciate that, James. <laughs> I, think, I think my I think my wife is listening in the kitchen as well too. If she is, she'll give me a. He said we need to remember and never forget all those trash fucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think is what is what we sh- what I want to remind people is that this election is not just also about at the at at the presidential level. It's also at the Senate level, right? Because if you look back at the impeachment trial, if it wasn't right. for the fact that the Senate was predominantly Republican, was majority Republican, he would have been out. He was gone. There's no he had no chance. No doubt, man. And so well, we have to remember that it's not just the federal level. I mean, look at where I'll give kudos to. I mean, personally, I'll give kudos to to Ron to Marin Ehrenberg. Our city is where we are today due all this pandemic and everything else going on because of local leadership. Right. So, reminding your listeners that yes, the federal election, you know, the the presidential elections are important, hundred percent. But it's also important at the Senate level, at the state level at the local level, 
goes, especially at the local it all level. starts, especially at the local level. I mean, we got to remember that if 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 Congress is stays Democrat and we change the Senate, even if Trump wins president, he can't get anything done. He can't get much of anything done. You're going to expect to see a ton of executive orders because there's not much that he's going to be able to get done in office. Right. Yeah, I'm re- I'm ready for um, I'm ready for some drastic change, man. I I hope everybody is. I hope everybody is. I you know, and and that brings us. I guess that brings me back to you know your very first statement about getting people registered to vote. Um, I'm at a point now, and, and I had this conversation the other day with somebody. I'm exhausted of trying to convince Latinos for Trump that it's not the right direction to go. That that's not what's good for our people. I think at this point now, you're 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 in or you're out for him if you're elected. You're absolutely right. Um, there's no convincing people in the with the mindset to support something like the Trump administration, in my opinion. I've stopped. Um, it's not that I don't stop debating, but I've definitely stopped trying to convince people. And at the end of the day. If there's ever a debate, I always ask for facts, and I've yet to have anyone challenge me with an educated standpoint, with perspectives on economic policy, the uh-huh. stock market for the past 30 years. I mean, I watch this shit daily, and I have people that have never watched the stock market until Donald Trump started announcing it in 2016, <laughs> trying to tell me. How the fucking market's doing or the how the economy's doing and i'm just like i'm not gonna try to convince you because there's so much shit that you will never comprehend until you truly dive into it yeah man there's no convincing i mean what i mean when you talk to people who support trump you know i'm kind of turning the tables here yeah what are the issues that stand out to them i mean why i mean what are the issues that stand out that trump supports that that they align with that and I'm not even saying that makes sense to you. Just what do they tell you? So every time I talk to someone about Donald Trump, there's there's two ways that it that it goes. One way is that you're being lied to and given I don't watch I don't watch national television. I get all my news by reading, whether it's the New York Times, Washington Post, believe it or not, I look at Fox News just to get uh-huh. other perspectives. As you should I watch, I watch rallies on uh-huh. both sides, but I always get whenever I get into debate that oh, you're being lied to by the media, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't fucking watch the media. Like mm-hmm. you're talking to the wrong person. I'm not the snowflake that you guys want to refer to. Like I'm very if there's an open-minded person when it comes to politics, bro, it's fucking me. Um, so it's always that. The attack is always, you're being lied to, they're painting him as this person, you need to do the fact the fact search. And at the end of the day, it's like, buddy, I've done my fact search, but if I were to try to explain this to you, we would get nowhere, because there's, there's so much that goes into understanding fiscal policy, monetary policy that comes out of the Fed, um, lawmaker decisions, all of these things, there are so much context under that that it's not even worth arguing to a person that their attack is you're being lied to by the media. Yeah. First of all, yeah. 
I don't watch the media, so that's not it. And then second of all, I can't, I can't ever, anybody who ever um, supports Trump and I ask for an educated response or any type of open-minded criticism on policy when it comes to economic or fiscal policy, I could never get a, a, a response in terms of criticism. I could criticize the left and the right all fucking day. I've never had anyone that has supported the Trump administration, and I challenge whoever's watching, bring it on, because I, I, I would love to have you on the podcast and have that type of conversation. But um, I've never had someone that have supported the Trump administration challenge me in a sense that they're bringing economic policy perspectives or any anything that really touts um, the Trump administration, such as a great economy or a great stock market or whatever is going on, you know, whatever whatever the, the claim is, this is what makes Trump great. Mm -hmm. I've never had anyone... Um, Give me, give me a good perspective and a good open mind criticism on it. Yeah, I, it, I, I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, it, it baffles me. It's a struggle. I mean, you know, they go to the economy, but yet he's torn down the economy within the past three months, you know, just by not acknowledging a pandemic that we're still right. dealing with now. That is also killing Latinos at an alarming rate because right. of reasons that he won't change. Latinos are underinsured, if they're even insured, have the most underlying issues. And his whole thought is like, you know, well, people aren't dying. Yeah, but man, what about people that don't have insurance that are spending a week or two in the hospital? Right. What does that cost come out for those guys? I mean, there's more to, are the people who come out with, you know, life-changing, you know, ramifications from dealing with COVID-19? I mean, those are the things that 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 people don't. I don't think people quite understand. Okay, people may be down. Even if we said COVID didn't kill anybody, how does it affect you as a person going forward? Whether that's through your medical bills or that's through your you know your recovery, that's through you know people who still who will live with heart conditions after it. I mean, there's more to it that people don't realize, and it's just like we just keep thinking. I don't know, man. It gets frustrating just to hear him up there and not acknowledging it, and especially when it's killing off Latinos and Blacks at an alarming rate. Because we're also, right. you know, we we live multi generational, right? We, you know, we live with our grandparents, you know, we live with our aunts, you know, we live with our cousins. We go and visit them every weekend, right? I mean, we don't think anything of it. It's just our family. It's not. I mean, that still is considered social distancing, right? Because it's my grandma. I see her every weekend. Even some people live with their grandparents. <laughs> like yeah. I know people that live with their grandparents in the Latino community, and it's like you can't help these situations. It's just living it, situations. It, again, going back to my podcast rambling, I listened to one today that was talking about a meatpacking district in South Dakota where people were dying in the meatpacking company, and the aunts and uncles worked in there, and they wouldn't let them stay home. They're essential workers. People were still dying. They were still making them go to work. Came back, they got COVID, passed it on to a grandparent. The grandparents died. Right. I mean, where does that, I mean, and that's another thing. Latinos are essential workers. Most of us, most of them are essential workers. Right. They don't stop working. But yet right. they get no, they get no reward for it, man. They get, oh, you know what? Go to work and hopefully you're insured and, you know, hopefully you don't have to spend too much time in the hospital. Right. We have uh, Navia posing the question. So truly, how do people choose the candidate that they ultimately vote for? I'll share with 
is it, you said Nazi? Uh, Navia. Navia. So I'll share what I, I posted the other day, um, and I can't recall where I got it from, but it was a comment along these lines that said, this election is not about marriage. It's not about finding the perfect person. It's about finding the candidates that are going in the closest direction that you want to go to and getting on that bus and going to that direction and not staying at home and sulking because you're not going exactly to that destination. And I can't, and, and you'll see that post from me probably weekly. And, and I get it, you know, I used to be the type, you know, I, I used to be the type that didn't vote. And I used to be the type that like, oh, you must, and now I'm the type that you must vote. And I get, there's people that are disenfranchised right now. They don't want to vote. Right. And it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say, hey, you need to vote. Hey man, I, I came but, from, I came from the same perspective and I learned a very hard lesson. So is what I would tell, is what I would tell Navi is who's going to go in the direction you want to go in the close, who's going to go in the closest direction you want to go to. And that's how you choose who to vote for. Right. And if that if that's Trump and I mean if he decides if he even retains Pence, if Pence can even survive his debate with, with Harris, then go that route. <laughs> if it's Biden and Harris, then go that route. But I think we're at a point now in this election was who's gonna get us to the closest destination that we want to go to. Right. Uh Moses, uh Moses put, I feel he puts Americans first. This is referring to Trump. I think he actually he supports um, the administration. He said, I feel he puts Americans first no matter what the color and wants immigrants to come in with the, come in with the legal channel. Um, and then he says, I also like what he's doing for us. That's, well, you know, honestly, I've heard of vets getting, oh, but shouldn't be based off of sexuality. Okay. I've heard of vets that have served the country in the Marines that are getting deported on a charge as small as, you know, mar- a marijuana charge. Um, and even even below that, I think it falls. Oh, I thought he wrote that down. Even below that. So I don't know if I could truly agree with you, Moses. I love well, I guess, only, <laughs> I guess the only challenge I would have is, you know, even the ones who come over illegal, he still is trying to get back. I mean, if you look, I mean, my understanding, I could be wrong here, but DACA are illegal immigrants. Right. And he still wants to send them back. You know, if you look at the the workers who come over on the visas, and that's not just Latinos, that's even, you know, people who come from other countries, from China and from other countries to work. A lot of them in our technology sector. Right. He wanted to send them back. He wanted to resend right. their, their visas. So I- Limit, And limiting right. the visas, right? And even saying the or closing, closing the hey during the pandemic we're not going to renew any visas or I forgot what the policy was to yes. me that's you're closing off the channels for legality. Yep, I I'm in the insurance business and a lot of the insurance insured that I that we insure that I see are contractors and a lot of them come over on these seasonal visas to do work. Well, right. guess what they're doing, man? They're doing exactly. roofing work. They're doing landscaping work. They're doing manual labor. Do you want to go up on a roof at 101 degrees on a on a Texas summer heat? No. Not a lot of people that will. No, Mexican that and I won't do it. Yeah, <laughs> and I guarantee you, I guarantee the people who are in this country that were born in this country don't want to do it either. And that's where I push back on it is that 
he says that he wants to create jobs for people who've lost their jobs. Those people who lost their jobs don't want to go do those things, man. They right. don't want to go on a roof. They don't want to go and cut people's grass. They don't want to go and clean your houses. That's not what they want to do. Right. So I, I just, I, I try struggle with, with his slogan of wanting to, I guess at one point make a make America great and then keep America great. I believe it's, I want to make America racist again, and I want to keep it right. racist. That's and what then, I believe it truly is. I agree. I agree with you in that sense. And the idea, just to tackle this, I and I tell everyone this, but I've I don't think I've ever published it on a uh, podcast. But to me, there's no such thing as make America great again. As far as making America first. Being in the economy that we live in, we live in a globalized economy, right? There, yeah. there are X amount of countries that have partnerships with X amount and instilling policies where you're trying to put America first at the forefront of everything while saying fuck you to everyone else, mm-hmm. there's going to come in time. There, there, there's no, um, what, do you, what do you call it? There's, there's no sustainability in a policy that puts America first. You gotta, you gotta think of the world. What's in the best interest of the world, and how could we make these trade relationships work, or these alliances work? So the idea that people get sold on America first, to me, you gotta fucking educate yourself. Um, is there, is there anything you think? That. Is there anything you think this administration, current administration, has done for this country that you could say like? All right, I can get on board with. I can appreciate that. I can get on board with that. You know, um, somebody messaged me the other day. They had asked me what I thought about Trump taking the executive order after um, our lawmakers couldn't come to an agreement. And I said, "Hey, that's a step towards progress, right? The fact that you took an executive order to take action to extend student loan deferment, which." another story we'll get into but it's not enough um but yeah you took executive action to do certain things to try and save the economy i agree with that 100 percent, and i respect you for taking action but at the end of the fucking day it's been three and a half years can can i distinguish one off actions to the bigger picture of economic policy of fiscal policy in this sense, I can't. Like I can't give you, I can't give you kudos for doing one thing when you've had three and a half years to try to influence these changes that you want to influence. Um, so the an- the answer to your question is, I acknowledge policies that are enacted by the Trump administration, and I see the light in some of those because they do help in some certain aspect. But at the at the end of it, it's um, it goes deeper than just taking executive action. You you, you got to have a conversation with your you know subordinates, the GOP. You got to get them to understand if different things got to get passed. Then you got to go and talk to your GOPs and say, hey, I'm president right now. Use your influence right to do the better mm-hmm. for humanity. Um, if you if you look at you know the CARE Act, 
what the Republican Party was trying to pass and what the Democratic Party was starting to pass. Um, you look at those two, and and you, it's it's easy to spot. You look at the Democratic policy proposed, and that's the betterment for humanity. What I read is the Republican Party wanted to have autonomy over um, the, st the stimulus plan that was put in action for corporations, right? And they wanted mm -hmm. to kind of close the curtains on right. what Steve Mnuchin was able to put money towards without any disclosure, right? All of this would be classified. The American people would not know where this money was going if the Republican uh, got their way. The Republicans got their way. And to me, it's, it's like, you got to be fucking transparent. It's smoke and mirrors again. I mean, it's the same thing That's that he's exactly been doing everything. It it's, it's hiding everything. It's like, if we don't have to show it, it goes back to even the, as petty as his taxes. If we don't show it, nobody can prove anything. And that's the challenge. You know, and it goes back to people receiving these stimulus checks for 600 bucks or 1200 bucks, right? Whatever it is, reminds you that corporate billionaires are receiving millions and billions of dollars of tax cuts. Right. 1200 bucks doesn't do shit. And, and remind you <laughs> that, that, that those corporate cuts that they're getting go back in their pockets to pay executive bonuses. Right. Whereas right. yours is going to pay for, you're just hopefully paying for your mortgage or paying for your car payment or hopefully trying to get you another, you know, thing, 12, 12 thing of toilet paper for your house or giving you diapers for your kid. Right. And, yeah, and the, that's just, that's a part where they just, it, it's all illusions, man. It's the sickest thing too, though, because people always combat me on the idea that um, the fiscal policy or, or, these these acts that are getting passed well they're saving the corporations and at the end of it i'm like have you not been watching american economics for the past 12 years since 2008 after the crash we've been in a bull market what do you think these companies are doing they're killing it oh and, and the fact that you want to advocate for a bailout for corporate companies that have been benefiting from an extended bull market for the past 10 plus years is stupid that that don't use the money to retain employees that right. don't use the money to keep employees i right. mean you it, see stock buybacks all the time it's crazy it's crazy you know one other thing i had another thing i wanted to bring up with you on on the election too and, and this one i think I don't want to forget about it because it's important to me. Right. Is voter suppression, aka the 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 effort to to fix the election. And right. I bring it up because because I have major concerns about it. Um because and I think of it localized being Texas, right? right. So in Texas, I think and I and I need people to understand this, you can't vote by mail into the state of Texas, unless you meet four requirements, roughly four or five requirements. And more than likely, people who are listening to this podcast and that will listen to it don't meet any of those requirements. Right. 65 years or older, handicapped, I think in the service and overseas, um, and you're not going to be in the state with at any time of either early voting or actual election day, which nobody should be going anywhere because of the pandemic for the most part. 
and then you can't use COVID-19 as an, as an excuse as you can in some other state. You so can. at the end of the day, you can't. So at the end of the day, you got to get your ass in the, in the, you got to get your ass in to vote. You got to right. physically show up to vote. So my concern is this, is the two states, the two of the states that I hear the most about from a Latino perspective, California and Texas. Texas right now, I think I've seen different polls, but they're either neck and neck or Biden's up by one, by one point, margin right. of error. I've been telling everybody that I've been registering to vote, get your ass in early. Right. Get in early. And if I'm correct, typically when you vote early, you can vote anywhere in your pre, anywhere in, the, in your county. You don't have to yeah, go I to think, the certain. I think you're right. I think you're right. right in that. So that's even more important because election day is going to be a, a madhouse. So my, my, I guess my question to you is, do you have those same concerns come election day? Maybe not just for Texas, but just overall. And, and again, going back to what I've seen and heard, I've watched documentaries on voter suppression. And if you go back, there's a documentary on HBO about the outcome in Georgia for, Steph, for I think it's Stacey Abrams. And it is alarming at every level. And I'm concerned about this election, and I feel like if we, if if Biden and Harris don't don't just knock it out of the park, it's going to be challenged for months to come. But starting from square one, election early election and election day concerns me from a from a suppression standpoint and from you know not allowing people to get in to vote. I mean, you look at look at the primaries here. I mean, there were right. people in line for three or four hours in Harris County, in Travis County. And that was the primaries, man. We already, I mean, for the most part, I mean, we kind of had an idea what's going to happen there. Think of the the national election. I didn't wait. <laughs> oh, you didn't? I, you just well, no. I, I I had no line. I went to Lions Field, and it was literally mm. walk in, walk out. Same, same, same here. But Hold I know that, that there was issues. Steven. Go for it. I gotta step. I gotta step back real quick. Give me one second. You're good. Thirty seconds. If you're watching, don't leave. No, you're good. All right, we're up. Um, on the voter suppression. voter suppression, you asked me a question, but I was kind of having a hard time understanding the context of the question. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know my question is: Are you as concerned as I am about? And I'm not. Voter turnout doesn't concern me this election. It's voter suppression that concerns me. It's a challenge of, I think. The administration knows they can't lose a state like Texas. I think we're like 39 or 37 electoral votes, which I think that's a that's a conversation for a different day. The electoral college over the 
the popular vote, whatever. But I have concerns for a state like Texas, who is right now what I would consider purplish, thanks to Bethel, right, of possibly turning blue. And I think the administration knows that, and it's going to do everything they can to not let it turn blue. Right. I think I, I think you hit hit the nail on the head, man. I'm a hundred percent worried about voter suppression. I'll go back to the principle, the idea that my community, my Mexican American community, lacks a lot of, I guess, in, 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 into, not intellect, but a lot of how the process works, right? And maybe. There's a lot of people out there that think at the very end of it, they're going to be able to vote by mail or they're going to be able to go to the polls. And then when they get to the polls, they're already worried about COVID. I mean, my parents are very worried about COVID. Um, and I don't blame them. You know, it's, they have a different health history than I do. But at the end of it, yeah, I am concerned about voter suppression. And I absolutely 100% think it's going to have an effect on um on the outcome of this election unless people educate themselves moving forward um and then not only that it's even educating yourself you're you're still in a sense if since since we can't vote for vote by mail people are still going to be too spooked to go to the polls mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i i i mean i, I I think that's what concerns me the most about this election is, you know, the voter suppression. Like, you know, I, and I and I'll have to give again kudos back to our local administration to to Ron um and then I, I can't remember the other gentleman's name and I got to find it because it's one of the local leadership levels too with Ron. But they're talking about Wolf? opening up No, it's not Wolf. Oh, I need to find I I feel bad that I can't give him credit for what he came up with. But they're talking about opening up either the Alamo Dome or AT&T Center as a polling station and opening up, like, I think 24 hours a day for, like, so many days so people could go and vote and still practice social distancing. Not um, yet. Ask Robert Trevino? No, it's not Robert no? Trevino. I'm going to find it. So if, anybody knows about- it, if anybody knows it, message me on Instagram or text me it um, because I can't think of it. I just saw it the other day. But – it's fascinating to me because that makes me feel good to know that we're looking to, at avenues to be able to, A, make it safe for, for people to vote. Because even if you go sub 65 years old, I mean, 55, 60 years old are still concerned about COVID-19. So making it safe for them. And then B, that election day is not a national holiday. Right. As much as it should be, allowing people to still be able to go and vote, you know, who are in the service industry. And I think there's a lot of people who don't realize what the what the laws allow you to do in terms of election day to get out and vote and what your employer has to be able to legally allow you to do. And, and I need to do my homework on that too, because that's something I need to get out to the followers as far as what what is legal for them to be able to do on that day of election day. I can tell you already right now, I'm taking off the whole week on election day because I'm just gonna sit, be just glued to the TV and every podcast that's out there to see how things turn out. Right. I think um, from what I understand, I think companies could enact their own policy. They don't have to give you a paid time off or something. I could be wrong. But if that's I don't the think case, they have to give you a, I don't think they have to give you paid time off, but I think yeah. like they legally have to allow you to be able to take time to go and vote. How that plays out, 
I don't know the details of it. There's a there's an Instagrammer that I follow that is really once election time starts to come around, she's really good about giving you information as far as what's legal and not legal. And her name is um Brittany, and her her handle is a little Brit of fun. She gives you a lot of good information around election time, and she's actually a big influencer on where I'm at today from an Instagram standpoint. That will help out as far as election goes and, and knowing your rights and what you're able to do. But I am concerned coming, you know, November 3rd. And and that's why I've encouraged anybody that I've registered to vote to get out there and vote and vote early for sure. Right. Going back to your outline, because I know there's a few things we need to touch on. Mm -hmm. While you look at that, I'm going to keep trying to find the gentleman who. Yeah, Nami here, here it is. It, is it Justin? Go for it. Justin it's Martin. Justin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that who? Yeah. Tell her That's thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Anavia. Yeah. It's Justin Rodriguez. There was a he posted on an Instagram. Bear County considers 24/7 and mega vote centers to widen voter access November 3rd election. So for those of you that are not able to vote early, that November 3rd hopefully will be made easier through that that opportunity. So if if somehow somebody can get that message to Justin Rodriguez, um, let's do it. Let's let's make that right. happen. I think that will help out a lot. I agree. I think that's absolutely necessary. Um, I'm I'm wondering how other cities throughout Texas. I know we have we have um, Ron Nirenberg being a Democrat himself, but I wonder how other what other cities are doing, or if they're just kind of going with the suppression. You know, if you look at other cities, so I mean, you know, I think I if you look at, I, I think, I think Houston is 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 run by a Democratic mayor. I think the same is with Dallas County, um, Austin for sure. I think Adler is the mayor there. Um, I think for the most part, I mean, from what I got, and I think that's why we're in the situation we're in right now with Texas being a purplish state, is those are the areas that that tend to lean blue. I think the areas that are challenged or when you start going to West Texas, East Texas, you go down even to the border cities. I mean, I have a number of Latino followers that will tell me that, you know, similar to you, man, Thanksgiving is going to be rough. You know, I have family members who just are avid Trump supporters and they're from the Valley. They're from McAllen. They're from Brownsville. You know, and it, and I would, I mean, I hear that and I'm just like, man, that is so baffling to me at this point. But I think in those areas, that's where it's going to be interesting to see how voter turnout goes and then how voter suppression is played out there. I don't think it'll be as bad as it will be here in places in the big cities. Right. Especially, especially in the underserved communities. I mean, if you think of like San Antonio, maybe the west side is going to be, you know, underserved. The south side, you know, east side. You know, if you look at Dallas, you know, the Oak Cliff area. You know, some of those cities that are not, you know, that are predominantly, you know, black community or predominantly Latino community. I think those are going to be areas where, you know, all of a sudden you see voting stations not working. You know, all of a sudden you see we're closing our doors early. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how that plays out. And I'm, I'm tempted to, if that works out, if that plays out here in Bear County, I will bring pizza to people in line who are out there after the voters, after the voting doors start to shut down. Just make sure you're in line because if you're in line, you get your vote, even if it's after time. Right. I'll be there with you. Let me know if that happens. We'll go. Do, we'll go deliver pizzas, man. We'll go to hot five dollars hot and ready from Little Caesars. Hundred percent, bro. <laughs> um, all right. Back to this. I, I did want to touch on your outline a little more. 
um, I really want to dig into more so the the idea what what really distinguishes the disconnection between Latinos and Latinos for Trump. I mean, what what's 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 really besides kind of instilling their confidence in the Trump administration? What what really is the I mean, there, there's got. I feel like there's got to be more influence to that. For the Latinos for Trump, yeah. or for the non-Latinos for no, Trump? No, for the Latinos for Trump. You know, I mean, I think that's that's the the gorilla in the room that's just trying to address. Because I mean, if you change that dynamic, right? I mean, it change. I mean, like I said, twenty-five to thirty percent are going to vote for Trump in re-election. I mean, if you shift that even five percent, how much does that change the dynamics of Texas overall? For Latinos for Trump, and I just I I don't know. And I, I, the only thing I keep coming back to is the fact that they that there's that feeling that he's not talking about them, that they're not part of that group that he calls out on his you know rally speeches, you know what he speaks about. Um, you know, I have a I have a client you know that I work with that you know. She is, she, she's from Mexico. She just became a citizen and she was a Latino for Trump, Latino for Trump. And the, the argument was the border security was that, that immigrants are crossing over and they're causing, you know, harm. And don't get me wrong. I believe in border security. I believe we need secure borders. Don't get me wrong. 100%. But I believe we're spending our money the wrong direction in border security. I believe it should be toward technology. It yeah, technology towards, and you know, intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah, I don't have a problem. A wall. No, not a wall. And you know, not a wall that's not not only a wall that's not not providing any kind of security, but a wall that's destroying our southern border from just the beauty of it. You know, there's another documentary that I saw that was talking about how the border wall is just destroying our land on the valley, you know, and the 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 beautiness of the rivers on the valley and the beautiness of of the animals, you know. And preventing them from being able to get to their resources because you have this stupid damn wall. I mean, we should be spending on technology. You know, we should be spending on personnel to be able to handle this. I believe in secured borders, but I don't believe in building a border wall. And right. you know, I, I I don't understand people. I don't understand Latinos and Latinas that that feel like they're different than the person who's trying to come over for a better life. Yeah, I don't, I don't how, how, that either. How, how are you different? I mean, how they're are not. you different? They're not. And I can't figure that out. I've not, I've not had anybody tell me how they're different at all. Right. Um, yeah, man, I, th- I think this is, a, this is a good conversation to have. I think uh, having more conversations like this and putting things to light really puts things into perspective for others that, you know, don't dive into these type of talks. On a yeah, I, basis. I and I, and I I enjoy these conversations. I mean, I could talk to you this. Pro, I could talk to you about this all night long. I don't know that everybody could listen to us all night long, but I could talk about this with right. you all night long. So, whenever we're able to have a beer, like in a public setting, we could talk about this all night long. Right. But I just I've become more passionate as I've gotten older, and I guess also because I have a daughter in play now, and I'm trying to instill in her of of how important it is to be up to date with politics, but more importantly, how important your voice is. And especially being a young Latina, that you know you have a voice, even if you're 11 years old, you still have a voice, and that you should always want to get your voice out there. Um, and we got to quit thinking of that mindset that 
What does my vote matter? Your vote does matter. Even in this electoral college world, right. your vote matters. Your vote right. matters significantly in this state, this election. So, you know, get out there and vote. Um, I'll be, I'll be not, I'll be doing a disservice to James if I don't get this out there before we cut out though, is we're doing a voter registration event on, let me make sure I get my calendar out so I can make yeah. sure I have the date right. We're going to do a re voter registration on the 22nd of August, uh, next, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday at Cafe Azteca on the South side. Uh, we're going to set up, uh, probably from, I think we're going to do it from like nine to noon, but nine is a start date. Technically, there is no end date. If people show up to register, I will be there to register then. Um, we're going to have some panduce and we're going to have some, some coffee come out. You know, if you're already registered to vote, bring somebody out there that's not registered to vote. If you are registered to vote, come out, have a coffee, let's have a talk, let's have a conversation. Even if but, you're not sure, right? If you're not yeah, sure if you're registered. Even if you're not sure, let's figure it out. I'll have my laptop out there. We can check it out for you guys. Um, myself and James Castro will be out there to get people registered. Uh, and then I'm looking at putting on another event, uh, maybe the weekend after. I'm still trying to hammer out the details at Police Modern in Almost Park. So again, we'll have another event to get you out there to register to vote. Um, my goal is to be somewhere or do something leading all the way up to the last day of early. Uh, let me see. The last day of voter registration is, bear with me while I look this up for you yeah. real quick. Let's see. Here we go. So last day to register to vote is Monday, October 5th, 2020. So as long as we get your voter registration application in by then, what you will that? be registered to vote. October 5th. Okay. Early as long voting as you get the application is, in, they're good. As, as long as you get the application in, as long as I have your application to the voter registrar's office here in Bear County, you're good. Um, early voting in person is going to be from Monday, October 19th through Friday, October 30th. I've heard rumors, I've read things that they're thinking about extending that possibly due to the pandemic. And the last, that mail-in ballots don't work for us. And election day is November 3rd. Okay. When did you say, for the viewers again, um, early, early election? Early voting? Yep. Early voting, early voting in person is going to be Monday, October 19th through Friday, October 30th, right before Halloween. Me in and so, yeah, let's do that. We're going to be there. We're going to set up shop. I've already talked to Tyler. They're the owner. You've not been there. Great, great drinks, but we're going to get you set up. We're going to get you registered to vote. Literally, the application takes maybe five minutes to get you done. Um, we'll get it set up, and I can tell you it does work. I've already confirmed a couple of people that we've registered to vote. They've already gotten, they've already looked up online, and they're already good to go. So come out, join us there. Um, if you don't follow me yet, follow me on Instagram at Bear Essentials. And you'll see continuous posts about where we'll set up. Um, I will also meet you wherever you are in Bear County. If you're a Bear County resident and you need to get registered to vote, and you live on the south side, the west side, the east side, the north side, I will find you and I'll get you registered to vote. Even if it's just one person I got registered to vote, I'll get you registered to vote. Shoot Stephen a DM if you're watching this. Shoot Stephen a DM. So I know Stephen, you can't see it, but on the screen, everyone is looking at is your. Um, Handle. Handle. So, yeah. Stefan. 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 <laughs> My bad. Nobody, nobody's out here. Nobody's out here watching me. So I'm sure. But, but Stefan, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're yeah. Shoot. Walk in, your daughter's gonna... 
Yeah, well, luckily she's at volleyball practice, but I'll walk in and my wife will be like, what's going on? Um, Before I let you go, anything else that you feel we need to put out to the world um, in terms of election 2020 and, and, and what, we're, what we're discussing here? No, I mean, I would just say, you know, going back to the main topic of being a Latino in America now, um, we have a voice we shouldn't wait for that invitation to the to the seat at the dinner table. We should just take that seat at the dinner table. And we are only as strong as we are if we unite together. And if we quit trying to, you know, separate our culture and try to separate of who we are. Uh, like I've told my buddies over and over, whether you're fourth generation, first generation immigrant, we are still cut from the same bloodline. We're still fighting the same battle and we're still looking for that seat at the table. Let's make sure we try to help each other to get to that table because guess what? If I get you a seat at that table, more than likely you're gonna try to get me a seat at that table. And that's the way it works. So what I would just say is keep helping each other out, get registered, get out there and vote and be ready because it's gonna be craziness come October, November. All right. Well, Stephen, I certainly appreciate you coming on today, taking the time to uh, talk politics, election, and uh, and all that jazz, man. Thanks, thanks again for coming on. And short, short pre- notice as well. I appreciate it, sir. Let's 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 try to do this again before right before the election. Let's see what let's see where this plays out in the next thirty days. I'm kind of interested to see now that Biden's got a VP. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how this what the direction goes in the next 30 days with this. Definitely. We'll, we'll definitely do one before the election. Um, and then again, count me in at Cafe Azteca. <laughs> yeah, I'll shoot you a note, man. Let's connect. All right, Steven. Well, take, take care. Right. Uh, good talking to you, brother. Thanks again. All right, be safe. Take care. Bye. So, guys, if you, uh, if you watched this episode today, I'm going to ask you guys if you could hit the share button. If you didn't watch it and you're just tuning in, Share it as well if you haven't subscribed um, to me on YouTube or on Twitch. Please subscribe, and then that way it could push my algorithms up and we could uh, keep the conversation going. Thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. We should have another episode this Friday. Don't know who our guest is going to be yet, but nonetheless, we'll be on. Thanks again. Make sure you hit the subscribe button.